It's week 15 in the NFL. It's Giants, Commanders, and even better, baby, it's the rematch. What's up, everybody? I want to welcome you to another episode of the Blue Rush Preview. It's your Giants pregame show and podcast for the New York Post and SNY. Every Giants and Commanders fan knows how big this game is and what it means. And we have a very special guest today on Blue Rush, legendary former Giants head coach Tom Coughlin. But before we kick this thing off, I have to intro the gang. I'm joined by New York Post Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz and two-time Super Bowl champ, former Giants clutch kicker Lawrence Titans is in the building. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys, this game has been flexed. It's prime time. So, Blue Rush, we're prime time. What's going on, fellas? The How game you has today? been flexed. Absolutely. When's the last time that happened in Giants land? What a game. What a what a week. This is what it's all about. And if you can't get up for this one, holy cow, God bless you. Because this is going to be a, a big game for both teams. You guys know in big games you have to stay within yourself. I think on the Blue Rush podcast, we don't need to see the kicker flexing anymore. I mean, we don't need the kicker flexing. Well, we need to see the we Feliciano need to see penalty. We, yes, we need to see Thibodeau and Ojolari flexing. We'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, no kicker flexing. Um, it's great, isn't it? It's <laughs> great. great. It, it's the middle of December. It's a big, big game. It's fun. You can feel it. It's going to be great atmosphere at FedEx. You know, this is this is why you get into the game, right? This is why you play. This is why you write. This is why you coach. Let's go. It's great. It's yeah, great stuff. There's that, there's that saying where people are always like, oh, pressure is a privilege. Absolutely no. Prime time is a privilege. And I just feel as though this game, you know, from the media aspect of it, Paul, obviously we're hyping it up. We're like, oh, it's the rematch. You know, you guys, how did you feel after the last game? No one knows how to feel after a tie. We know the playoff implications that that are involved with this game. But at the same time, we both were in the locker room Wednesday. We both got a chance to feel that energy. I felt a a locked-in Giants team that's ready to go in there and to win this game because – this game could have two wins to it if you win this game. You, you agree, Paul? Brian Dable doesn't like the must-win thing. You know, he, you know, it's like, well, if we lose, is the season over? No. You know, Brian Dable's been in a ton of playoff games, and he knows when you lose, the season's over, and when you win, you advance. So must-win, you know, we can talk semantics. Here's what I feel. If they win the game, they're going to get in the playoffs. If they lose the game, they're not going to get in the playoffs. Mm. That's what the 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 analytics show. The locker room, as you said, you know, I think it was very much business as usual. The guys playing ping pong. There were guys off on the side. There were guys talking. This has been flexed to prime time. Now, look, there's two things going against each other here. Daniel Jones has played great in three games in FedEx Field. He is 0-9 in prime time. But I believe this is the first Sunday night primetime game, the flex situation you talked about, Brandon. I think he's 0-5 on Monday night, 0-4 on Thursday night. Daniel was asked about, you know, going 0 for on primetime. He said, look, there's a lot of different things going there. He doesn't want to delve into that too much. When you play in primetime, you usually play against good teams. A lot of times just division teams. The Giants have not played well in those situations. So, um, But, you know, until you win a game, under the lights when everyone's watching you haven't won a game in that situation and you know daniel jones knows that that needs to happen here 
Tynes, take us through what's going through a player's mind right now. Primetime game, you, you got the pressure of, well, like Paul said, if you win, you're pretty much in the playoffs. If you lose, ah, the New York media, the fans are going to be on you tough. again. What's going through the players' minds right now? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a heightened sense of preparation this week, even though players won't say it. Coaches are definitely not going to say it. But you realize Sunday night, Monday night, it's a privilege, obviously, to play on these nights in the NFL. You know, all your peers are watching. You know, your family's watching. Everybody's watching. Thankfully, we played a lot on Sunday night and Monday night football, and you always felt good about it, and you get a little bit more amped up. I don't buy into this whole thing. You know, I hate the question to Daniel Jones, hey, you're 0 for 9 on, on primetime. I mean, that's just not fair. I get it. The NFL is not fair, but he has been on some terrible football teams. And naturally, wins and losses are, are, are next to his name. But Daniel Jones is not 0 for 9 in primetime. The Giants are, and they stink. And, and to your point, Paul, you said they've played some, you know, Tom Brady twice, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he's played a lot of great football teams in those games. So, Sunday night, first time ever for him, right, uh, playing for Daniel Jones on Sunday night football. It's going to be a great game. I'm sure he's amped up about it, but obviously you have to play controlled football, play smart football. But these players, Brandon, make no mistake about it. They're jazzed up, right? They, they're they're going to come out ready to play and put on a show for the whole nation. Times, you think with everything that's going, this New York media, and you've kind of seen Brian Dable has gone through it all. He's gone through the roller coaster, roller coaster of emotions when it comes to playing or coaching in New York. Do you think that there's an added pressure now on him to win this game? I think so. I think that's fair. The head coach gets all the criticism and all the praise. Um, he needs to come out, obviously, and play better after a, a poor Philly game. I mean, they looked not only overmatched, but they were certainly outcoached in that game too. And so Brian Dable feels a little pressure. He's not going to tell you that, but that's what makes you get up every morning and go prepare and get ready and get your team ready. So that's what you want to feel. I mean, I know I know some people are uh, push against uh, pressure and things like that, but man, this is what you play for. Division game, Sunday night football. I'm so excited. I can't wait for it. And I can't imagine what the players are feeling, but certainly the coaching staff, feels a little pressure, Brandon. There's no question this week that they are, you know, maybe doing a little bit extra, if you will, a little extra rep in the weight room or, you know, maybe an extra page of notes, uh, extra meeting with the guys. But this is what it's all about, man. This is why it's fun. You know, it's finally yeah. fun to talk about. It's been a while for the Giants. And this is New York. This is coaching in New York. Brian Dable is getting a taste of what it's like to coach in New York. You get the praise, then the finger pointing, and you get the added pressure. And speaking of pressure, the finger pointing, and the praise, we got a chance to speak to a former Giants coach who endured it all and still made an impact both on the field and off the field in the, his players' lives. Two-time Super Bowl champ, Coach Tom Coughlin joins us now to talk about his new book, A Giants Win, inside the New York Giants' historic upset over the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 42. Yeah, Tom, it's good to see you. Um, look, I, I, read, I covered that team. I read the book. There's a ton of stuff in there I don't know. I didn't remember. I didn't know. It's in your complete, minute detail mode, which is not surprising. And um, one thing I would just like to say right away, um, obviously the epilogue of the book is very, very touching about you and um, your wife, Judy, what, 55 years of marriage. You were the caretaker for her after she got sick. Um, since the book has been published, she has passed, and we want to offer our condolences. And um, how are you doing, first of all? Thanks, Paul. Appreciate that. I'm doing... I don't know. You you know, you get your numb and uh, things just flow along. What basically I need to do is develop a, my routine. You know, I when you're when you're a caretaker, 
everything is about your your life and your routine is about the person you're taking care of. When that happens and, and you don't have that anymore, it's kind of like between six in the evening and eight, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what to do with myself because that was the, you know, dinner time and then clean the dinner up and then get her ready for bed and those kind of things. So, but it'll come. I'm surrounded by by family and uh, and everyone has been uh, been great about that. So, we do the best we can. Hey coach, thank you for coming on. It's great to see you. Uh, something I wanted to ask and I obviously never asked you this, but when that season was chugging along, right? Super Bowl 42 season. Was there ever a time either you guys as a staff but the organization said, you know what, we might have something here. We might have a team that can go on a run and win a Super Bowl. Did that conversation ever take place? I don't ever recall anything being said to that nature. However, knowing that we were the road warriors, we won 11 games on the road that year. And the way that we were able to play away from our home stadium, quite frankly, as we went through the second half of the season, you know, we had some big time disappointments. We lost to Minnesota in a bad football game. We lost to Washington at home. So after beating Washington on the road when we were 0-2, we won six in a row. And then we went into the second half of the of the season feeling like, and quite frankly, we, we should have won 12 games that year. We won 10, but we should have won 12. But it took us, the, the I know you remember Buffalo, to go to Buffalo to win. We had to win there, otherwise we're going to have to, you know, beat the Patriots at home when they were going for the undefeated season. But I think when we came off the field at that Saturday night game with the New England Patriots, they beat us. They beat us 38-35, but we led in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was a completely different game from our, you know, our Super Bowl experience, obviously. But I, I think every one of our players knew that we could play. And I do believe that, Lawrence, you remember when I played you the – the John Madden message that had a, a, a real impact on us because basically what John Madden said to to me and to our and to our team was you know that's the greatest thing that's happened to the NFL in the last ten years and if you remember he said and I hope they realize it which you know who knows whether the powers to be did or not but John was saying you know our game is a competitive game we we don't hold our players out we don't prevent them from, you know, we have a 16-game schedule at that time, and we're expected to compete and play as hard as we can in those games. And you remember how I said to you on that Monday, I think it was, that there was no doubt we being the New York Giants, the flagship team of the NFL, the red, white, and blue, and me being a historian, we're never going to let history look back on that Saturday night game and say that the Giants didn't do their best to beat a team that was going for an undefeated season. From covering you all those years, I know when we would ask you a question, you know, kind of like, what about this? You would say, that's a hypothetical. You are not big on hypotheticals. Now, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you a hypothetical. Um, since we have Lawrence on the air here, let's go back to frozen Lambeau Field. Um, there were two field goals that were not made for a variety of reasons. If Lawrence in overtime there does not run on the field before you call for the field goal team, is history changed and and does he never get that kick? I mean, take me back to that because, you know, we've talked about that in this podcast and Lawrence still gets chills talking about it. And I don't mean the cold chills. I mean, the other kind of chills. Yeah. Goosebumps. I get them too. Here's the way that went. If you remember exactly, Paul, in the fourth quarter, we did miss, was it a 46 yarder? We missed 43. 43. But later, later, that was the snap. Lawrence had nothing to do with that one. That was the snap. 
And of course, the ball was as hard as a rock. Okay, it was minus twenty four. The ball is as hard as a rock. And and then we we did quite frankly, it was a bad snap. It wasn't handled well. Lawrence took a shot at it, but it, you know just dribbled off to the left. So that that really wasn't going to deter me. What I wanted to know is something that I asked him specifically in the first half of the game. I slid up next to him. I was looking at the field, and I said, Lawrence, can you kick a 46-yard field goal? He turned his back and walked away from me. <laughs> can, I, can I explain myself? Can I, no, can I explain? you cannot explain yourself. So, <laughs> so what happened at the end of the game, we're in, we're in the overtime. Obviously, Corey Webster makes a great catch. He had great hands. You know, puts the ball back down. We don't gain a yard. I mean, we don't. We it's like we're running into a wall or something, and we don't gain anything. So now it's that that distance again. Okay, I want to know if Lawrence thinks he can make that kick. I'm just looking at him. Clock move. He throws his cape off. He runs out on the field. I yell, field goal. Now I got a bunch of people in my ear, coaches that are saying, "Oh no, don't do." Be careful here now, coach. If you do that and we don't make it, you know, they're they're going to have great field position. I just field goal. He, they all run out there. He, he could have made it from 55 is how well he hit that ball. I mean, it was it was through it was through the minute he hit it. So I look I look at pictures today. Remember Antonio Pierce on the sideline? His eyes looked like they had 50 cent pieces in it when he saw that ball go through because the, the realization now. For a team that nobody, you guys have to understand this, nobody gave us a chance in any game. You remember the Fox crew, Fox had the Super Bowl, right? All the four, the, the Fox experts, they didn't even pick us to win against Tampa. We got nobody picking us to win against Tampa, nobody against Dallas. Dallas beat us twice in the regular season. Nobody against Green Bay, and it's minus, it's minus, you know, 24. And Eli and Plaxico are playing like it's 75 in the backyard. You know, that kind of day, nobody gives us a chance. So, you know, there we are in the locker room. We couldn't wait to get in there to get some more chicken soup broth. <laughs> and, and let me tell you something. In the second half, I wasn't even cold. And I said that to Strahan the other day, and he said, yeah, because you were frozen. <laughs> How are you going to be cold when you're frozen? I remember they put, remember the skibas, they put wool in our helmets. I, I show up on game day and there's like wool sticking out of my ear holes. And I said, what's this for? He goes, well, you'll know when you go out there. Coach, we got an unbelievable contribution from that rookie class. Um, I was looking back last night and, and I guess my question is, I mean, you coach, you were a head coach for 20 years in the NFL. Have you ever had a contribution from your rookie class like that? I mean, it's incredible. 22 years. Thank you very, very much. 22. Apologize. Okay, so. The answer is no. The answer is no, because you can't find a group of young men that contributed like they did, whether it's boss with our biggest play in the Super Bowl or, or you know, you go right down Steve Smith. I mean, how do you when I look back at that? OK, and, you know, because you've watched these guys practice and everything else. What a blow it is to the New York Giant franchise to have Kevin Boss and Steve Smith injured and gone so early in their career. It was heartbreaking. When you see the way they played in the big games, and when you look at what Steve Smith did in that game, okay, if you remember the third and 11, that's all you got to remember. Because Eli goes to him right now. Now, yeah, they did bump the, the defenders bumped a little bit, but he throws the ball to a guy in the flat with a third and 11, and I'm going, 
Uh, how are we going to get this first down when we're throwing the ball, you know, four or five yards down the field? Steve Smith knew exactly where the the the, the chalk was, where we had to get, and then boom, out of bounds he goes. The ball he caught on the inside when he broke inside, you know, when he won from the slot position. Uh, so, I mean, Ahmad Bradshaw, I mean, phenomenal football players. I mean, guys that contribute in every way you can. Zach Diossi, you know, who's not only the snapper, but he's running down covering kicks, you know. I mean, we had a bunch of guys who really, really made a tremendous contribution. And how they grew up. Because, you know, Steve Smith was hurt the whole time, the beginning of the year. Kevin Boston play much either, with the exception of when, when uh, Jeremy Shockey was, was injured, you know. So, I mean, they were, uh, they played like veterans, most important time of the year. Hey, Coach, I was uh, I was in that rookie class as an undrafted free agent, was on that practice roster, and two names, two undrafted free agents, Michael Matthews, tight end, and also Craig Dahl came in, stepped in, and played. And we were all so close, just trying to keep up with the veterans, trying to, we had great leadership that year. And, Coach, I remember coming in and during training camp one year, and you had us in shells, the hockey pads uh, uh, for, for practice. And I'll tell, I'll tell David Tyree, I'm like, man, Coach Coughlin, like he's got us in hockey shells. Like I thought he was going to be this tough-nosed coach and all. And he goes, you should have saw him last year and the years before. But what going, going up into that year, going up into that season, what made you kind of adapt? Or what was your mindset going into that, that season to kind of not, not so much change, but kind of fine-tune in, in your, not only your coaching, but your culture as well? You know, there, there's a lot said about change, and I did change. I needed to change, okay? But I've always believed that if you don't learn, if you stop learning and adjusting and so on, you're not going to be in the business 22 years. But that situation that occurred right after the 06 season, we're eight and eight. A lot of years, that's just a go ahead through deal. But, you know, we had a ton of injuries and we we fought like heck to get in the playoffs. Then we got beat right away. First round, boom, and out. Get rid of Coughlin. So if you remember what happened with me in the media, Paul remembers because Paul was in my office. The whole thing was Pat Hanlon set it up. Let's take the gloves off. Let's bring the individual writers and so on and so forth in. We'll sit and we'll look at each other and we'll, what, what do you not like about me? And I'll tell you what I don't like about you. And what I came to realize was I'm a blue collar guy. Okay. And these people, these people working in the media injury, they're blue collar guys too. They're looking to fight for their jobs. They're battling for their jobs. I can be a little better. I, I'm never going to tell anybody anything that's going to come back to hurt me, but I certainly can show more respect and I can give them more information and I can do it in a way that is not adversarial. And so I decided I would do that. And the same thing with my team. I was worried that my communication with my team wasn't getting, wasn't finding the right spot. And so we formed the leadership council. Lawrence can tell you about that. And what we, what these guys did for me was they took my message and my information and they distributed it to their group. And I never heard that people walking by me going, I wonder what Coughlin's going to do at Thanksgiving. I wonder how he's going to take care of Christmas. I wonder what we're going to do when we have a Monday night game. I wonder how we're going to. No, they took care of all of that. And, it, and I shared a lot of things with them. So the main thing that happened for me was, and Charles Way said it best. Charles Way said, allow your players to see you the way you are with your grandkids. And that's what it was. You remember, Brandon, I'm playing, I'm on my hands and knees playing with my grandkids after practice and the guys are walking by and they're kidding, kidding me and kidding the kids, you know, 
and uh, Chris Snee's sons are out there running around catching balls from me. So that was the caring part. I had always cared about my players, but I didn't show it much. I showed it a little bit more. I just want to thank you for because like you saying, caring about your players, I'll always remember a story where I came into your office crying because my mom was going through some stuff with her health and you shut the door and you kind of I saw a side of you I I never thought I would I would see in an NFL head coach. You kind of talked to me, you calmed me down for sure. And uh just hearing, you know, just just hearing you talk like that, man. Like you've you've had such a big impact on a lot of our lives, man. And, and I was just a practice squad guy, so I, I just have to thank you for that. I just had to thank you for that. Hey, don't man. ever say you were just a practice squad guy. You were one of our teammates. That's exactly right. And you never know. You know, you just never know. You you know how that goes. And today it's even better because you you see how the up downs are a lot easier. In your day, you had to make you know you had to make. What you did was tough. What was there, five guys, right, Coach? Five guys on the practice squad? I mean, that's impossible. Eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Tom, I, I I remember that being in your office, you know, and, okay, I'm going in and we're going to kind of let the gloves off a little bit. And I remember just asking you very simply, I said, Tom, when you prepare for practice during the week and you're with your coaching staff, do you kind of obsess about who is healthy, who's available, who can practice today and who can't practice today? And you said, of course I do. And I said, then why can't I? And you just looked at me and said, point taken. Like, okay, I never really realized that point taken. You did change. You know, we noticed that. And, um, but you, you didn't never, you know, deviated from your core beliefs. You just got a little nicer and you tell your teammate, you tell your team, you love them before a game. I mean, that, that resonates. Um, um, one, one of the things in the, in your book, Tom, on the cover, I think there might be a few different covers. There's one of them with you and Eli holding the Lombardi trophy um, from what you saw as that rookie in 2004 to now a guy who is hosting with his brother, the Manning cast and is the media celebrity of the world. Um, did you ever see that coming from your former quarterback? You see him in the locker room, and Lawrence can attest to this, busting chops. I always say that group of guys, could they could exchange and they could have fun, and they knew exactly what the, you know, the fine line was. They didn't cross that. But Eli was, you know, Eli and the offensive line were very tight, but they were always, you know, you had Richie and Sean in there. I mean, you, there's no way around it. I mean, those guys are going to be, you know, they're going to constantly be after you and you you got to be able to defend yourself. So there was a, there's no doubt about the sense of humor, the dry sense of humor out of Eli. Uh, but what you see today is, is the real deal. You know, I did, a, I did something with him with the, Syracuse, you know, he did a story on the numbers 44 and I'm telling you, it was, <laughs> he basically was hilarious. He really was. And the best part was they put film on showing me in college playing in college and he just basically, in his own way, ripped me a new one. You know, <laughs> it's right here, coaches. Isn't that you? That's pl pretty close to a legal procedure, isn't it? And then uh, there was a, he puts a fumble on. And, and, you know, he said, what about this? I mean, you can't take, you can't accept. High and tight, high and tight. High and tight. What are you doing? You got to get the ball secure. Um, he's got to get you on that Manning cast. This is an interesting note about our season that no one talks enough about, probably because it involves a kicker and a punter. At the end of training camp, Ryan Keel pops his Achilles. And I remember, Coach, we were all on a knee. You kind of knew quickly. You said, hey, I, I think Ryan's going to miss some time. And then you looked around the bunch and you said, has anyone ever snapped before? <laughs> and I'm going, no, no. What do you mean? We need a real snapper. And of course, Zach Diossi raises his hand 
and Jay Alford, our third round pick, both rookies, third and fourth round pick that year. Because obviously Jay Alford ends up getting a sack in the Super Bowl and snapped a field goal in the Super Bowl. That's probably never been done in the history of pro football. Have you ever had to do something like that in your life? I mean, what was your confidence level saying? All right, Zach, you go do punts and Jay, you go do field goals. I mean, that was, you know, when they come in, you know what they can do and what they have done. And Jay, Jay had, had short snapped at Penn State. Had, With Robbie Gould, yeah. Yeah. So when when this happened, you know, obviously Ryan was brought there for that purpose, and he had your confidence and and every Fiegel's confidence too. But you know, you got to deal with with what you got to deal with. And here's two young guys, and it's like huh, they've never they may have done this before, but they've never done it in this situation. But obviously, these are two different cats. I mean, they 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 could do it. You remember the last 35 seconds? Oh yeah, Jay Jay got a full lick on Brady in that. Yeah, too. he did. Yeah. Knocked him down. He was another player coach. Again, he had an ACL maybe in his second right. or third year. It, it just, he was a really good player, man. Really good player. And really good, versatile guy. Or even, even if he's not a starter, he gives the guys a break up front and he makes. He was great. What a great teammate. Coach, we joked that we had to be on here at 9 20 because you're early for everything, five minutes early, 10 minutes early. Is that something that you've carried over still after your career here in life? Are you early to everything you do? And, and everything in life? I do. I always have been. And listen, the greatest compliment Strahan ever ever paid me, his watch is 10 minutes fast. And he's the guy that's, you know, three minutes early but two minutes late. And he still can't get over it. <laughs> he still wants to talk about it every time. Coach, you know, at Good Morning America, we seven o'clock start is a seven o'clock start. Michael. The clocks are five minutes fast for the New York Giants. I want to know how badly you want to get to work. <laughs> Tom, I remember, I remember, you know, I was there before you with the Giants, and I remember the players. And I remember they said, just tell us when to be there and we'll be there. If you want us there at 725, tell us to be there. And they couldn't get it. And I don't know who was right and who was wrong, but every player I talked to from 42 and 46 and your whole run. You know, not every one of them now says I'm not late because of the coach. The coach says I had to be there. I mean, they're all they're all they you still have that power over them. And it's, um, you know, you got it through to these guys. So many of the lessons, you know, that you were thinking was I was thinking with football. You know, these guys, I mean, look, you know what I do sometimes and what our business is. We look to ask guys what's bad about this guy. What don't you like about him? And Good luck doing that with your players because they will go to the mat for you. I mean, it is, it is, you see them, right? You see them at functions and Jay funded things. And, you know, I mean, I think that's your legacy. You know, the, the, the two Lombardi trophies are the legacy, obviously, but that these guys, you know, when, when your wife was sick, when you need something, when you need Jay fund, you know, people come, I mean, these guys, you know, they can't help but run to you. Can they, you know, they, they just do, do they do, they really do. And, you know, going back to the original reason, you know, I fancy myself a teacher. Okay, that's what I always was. And more more important than the X's and O's, we always talked about life, life lessons. We always did. We always talked about virtues. We always talked about the work ethic and family and responsibility and accountability and so on and so forth. And as the guys, and, and it was always about as you move through life and these things become more important because of family, you know, they're young and of course, you can't tell a lot of people when they're young how they're supposed to do things because they know everything, you know. But when they get to a certain point in life, even the guys who were 
difficult to work with, they get it because they've got their own kids and they've got their own responsibilities and so on and so forth. And there's so many stories like that. You know, everybody thinks that Ahmad and I used to, you know, come to blows together. And there'd be one or two times a year, obviously. But I love the guy. The guy put on the line every time he went out there. I mean, you know, how can you not? I still see him with the 88-yarder against Buffalo. You know, it just just amazing to me. All right, Coach, we could sit and, but I mean, we could talk to you all day, man, but we want to be respectful of your time. If you guys want to hear more, more stories from Coach Coughlin, you got to check out his book. It's out on Amazon now, wherever books are sold. A giant win inside the New York Giants, historic upset over the New England Patriots and Super Bowl 42. Once again, Coach Coughlin, time's going to show you the picture. This is, this is in my office. That's me and you after 42. You look, look at us. We're getting a bath. That's, That's Pat, Han- Pat Pat Hanlon sent me that. Um, he sent a nice he sent a nice note on the back. What do they call him? The PR Caesar in New York, Pat Hanlon. <laughs> I cherish that. That made a big impact in my life too. You know, he's the guy that after the 06 season, he came in my office and he's the one that said, We're gonna do this. He's big. He, he is a, yeah, a great, great man. Well, Coach, thanks for coming on. I love you. Thank you, guys. Uh, hope to see you soon. And, thank you uh, all. Brandon, thank you, Brandon. Thank you, guys, all of you. You bet. And, and thanks for all you do. And it's fun. It's fun to do that. It's fun to it's fun to reminisce. Oh, I can't wait to read the book. Good. Let me know what you think. See you, guys. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Such an honor that we got a chance to speak with Coach. To the fans that are listening and watching, we could have talked to him the entire day. Like we could, we could have spoke with Coach for the entire day. So make sure you guys go and pick up his new book, A Giant Win. It's available for purchase now. <sighs> Thank you, Coach Coughlin, for joining us. Uh, but let's turn back. Let's focus ahead on on this week's game, the Commanders. Lawrence, what are your keys to the game? We got to stop the run. It has to. It has to happen. It has to start right now. They have given up way too many yards in the last six, seven, eight games. 165 two weeks ago. Uh, Robinson's running great. Gibson's a great complimentary back. Uh, they do kind of mix in uh, the receiver Samuel, you know, on some jet yeah. sweeps and things like that. So I think if they do that and make them a little bit more one dimensional, Taylor Heineke will throw the ball up for grabs. He didn't do that much. Obviously, we got a strip sack fumble in the game two weeks ago. But if you can shut the rundown, it has to be paramount. It has to be something that is all they're talking about this week. Stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. McLaurin is going to do what he does. But if you can shut this run game down and make them one-dimensional, I think that favors the Giants. So, uh, especially with the pass rush getting healthy, if you know they're passing, Kayvon, Thibodeau, Aziz, the guys inside, Dexter and, and Leonard, I think it favors the Giants. Paul, we've been going into each each game saying Giants have to stop the run, stop the run. 165 yards later, uh, 200-something yards later, we're sitting there on the post-game show saying to ourselves, they didn't stop the run. How? Like, Or how can they stop the run? Or is it just not in their DNA on this defense right now for this year? Well, I think they'll be getting Leonard Williams back. You know, he was limited in practice on Wednesday. Um, that helps. You know, he's one of their best players. 
Um, it, look, it's got to be all hands on deck because um, they don't have the inside linebackers. You know, Jalen Smith it, it pursues the ball okay, but, you know, do I think he's going to be there? one of their starting inside linebackers in 2023. I do not. So look, they have to, they have to do a credible enough job. There's no question about it. And you know what? One of the best ways to do it is, is to stay on the field. Uh, the time of possession in the first game was 41 to 29 in favor of the commanders. Yeah. That cannot happen. What does that mean? In the second half, Saquon Barkley had virtually no rushing yards. The Giants have to run the ball. Now, that's a broken record. We said that virtually every podcast, but they have to run the ball. They cannot survive by throwing the ball, period. You know, the commanders, like we said, they have McLaurin, they have Samuel, they have more weapons than the Giants do. So the Giants have to make plays in the in the passing game, but Saquon and Daniel Jones, time of possession has to be more balanced or towards the Giants. If the Giants have the ball, the commanders can't be running it. It's simple. It's a fact. So Saquon, Daniel, Brightwell, Breida, Joe Morris, Rodney Hampton, the guys you played with, Lawrence, uh, you know, Jacobs, Ward, Brad, whoever, someone's got to run the ball for this team on, on Sunday night because you can't win with Daniel throwing it. They're just not built that way. So it's almost like our run game could protect our run defense. Keep Absolutely. these guys off the field and keep the ball yeah. in uh, Taylor Heineke's hands because last time Giants had five sacks. Uh, Paul, Kayvon uh, Thibodeau and Aziz Ojulari are playing lights out. You got a chance to kind of talk to Kayvon uh, in the locker room. Do you think this is – Kayvon and Aziz's breakout game together as a pass rush duo. It could be. It, it's um, it needs to be in a lot of ways. You know, those guys are funny. They sit. Their lockers are right near each other. Aziz is is polite and says nothing. Very polite. Very agreeable. Says nothing. Kayvon can be a little edgy and just is a. You know, he's got that young Strahan a little bit in him, a little bit, maybe even more so because it's this is a, several generations and he's a product of social media and things. It was very funny. My colleague, Steve Serby, was going at those guys and he's saying, you're Batman and Robin, you're Batman and Robin. Kayvon wanted no part of that. He says, no, I don't like that. So he says, OK, give me something. What are you guys? He says, whip peanut butter and jelly. Oh. <laughs> so like, why peanut butter and jelly? He said, That's we're funny. better to get we're better together. And then, so then he says, well, I'm jelly and Aziz is peanut butter. Look, at this point, I have no idea what he's talking about. So Aziz says, no, no, I think I'm more like jelly. So he says, okay, okay. So Kayvon says, no, I'll be peanut butter because I'm healthy for you. I'm healthy. And then they go on this thing. Kayvon is saying that it's unbelievable. He just, so, so Kayvon says, I'm hip hop and Aziz is classical music because Aziz is smooth. He's smooth like classical music. And he said, I look like I'm working hard to get out there. So I'm like hip hop. Look, it's great stuff. It'll be better stuff if they win on Sunday night. And then you go to his locker and he'll go off. Um, he will. He's a superstar waiting to happen, but he's got two sacks. So, you know, as, as your former coach, right, Tom would do, right? Remember Tom would do this a lot. Yep. He wouldn't say anything. He'd be like, let's go, let's go. That's what he would say to Kayvon right now. So on top of that, then, uh, Tynes, we're playing in a, a primetime game. You have a primetime type personality when it comes to Kayvon. Is it almost like he needs to show up in this game because the stats aren't there in that sense? I think he's going to push, obviously, a little harder this week. The stats aren't there like you mentioned, but he's certainly playing great. Let's yeah. not take yeah. anything away yeah, from absolutely. the young man. He is, he is playing really good football, but again – you want to get those sacks. He he wants to get them. I think he, he even alluded to that maybe even post game or this week. He wants those sacks because he wants to be recognized as a Micah Parsons type player. 
uh, which will come in due time. But he needs to play well. Listen, in order for the Giants to have a chance, they have to play well. Him and Aziz, Dexter and Leonard have to play really good football. The game's on them, and that's okay. You know, like Dave Tolfson said a couple weeks ago, put it on them. Put it on them. That's where all the money spent. That's where all the draft capital has been spent on this team. Those are the guys that have to show up on these big games, and that's why you pay them all that money and why they were drafted where they were drafted. That's who needs to show up on Sunday, that, that D-line. You like primetime? Primetime likes me. <laughs> I, I can use that one. I don't even know what that means, but it's a good line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these, these are great lines. I need to get a shirt. Oh. Prime, you know what? If they win and he has a few sacks, he's primetime likes me. He was also great riffing on holding penalties because remember he got one last week and he put his hands up as he was rushing and oh my god i'm getting held i'm getting held and i said you know you like getting holding penalties and he said well yeah i like it but i said do you is it kind of like a sack for you because he says no 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 it's not like a sack it's because it doesn't give you a stat and he said it makes us stay on the field an extra snap because they take the 10 yards and then it's a replay the down and he said us defensive players we don't like playing extra downs you know he's funny he's he's a funny guy Paul, it's funny you say that. Um, Antro Roll and, and Corey Webster used to call me Prime Times. Ooh. Get it? Prime Times. Oh, I like it. That's and what no they used shirt? to call me. You know, what about you know who shirt? named Prime me that? Times. You know who named me that? Was Deion Sanders. I did an interview what? with Deion at, it's at the Super Bowl 42. It was after the Green Bay kick. I'm sitting in the stands. I kind of had my own little section. Deion yep. comes up and he goes, You know, I call you Prime Times. And I, it stuck from there. Like, I think Webby was there or, or somebody heard it. And then Webby told Antrell. So prime times, just throwing that out there. Totally. You make any money on that? Any yeah. T-shirt? No, I didn't. Not, a not a nickel. Not a nickel. There was no Instagram back in our day times, back when we no, played. We didn't I didn't have, have social media until I got done yep. playing. So yep. Yep. I missed the boat. Evan Neal has a chance to kind of right some of his wrongs throughout the course of this year. Paul, how big of a game does Evan Neal need to have? He needs to play a lot better than he did against the Eagles, but he was actually good against the Commanders. Okay. So that that's a positive thing. I I you know Evan Neal is also he's one of these first round picks. He is the anti Kayvon Thibodeau. He is quiet. He sits there. He won't say a word. But if you go up to him, you know, and 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 I saw Wednesday, a, a, one writer went over to him. I gave him his space. Then another writer went over to him. I gave him his space. And I was like the third man in. And a lot of these rookies, especially after a bad game, right? He could, okay, that's enough. He, he sit, sat there, you know, it's good that he was sitting because when he stands, I can't, you know, I have to crane my neck so high to see him. So he was sitting, I was standing, <laughs> we were about at the same level. And he said, I have to do a better, he thought his run blocking last week was okay. He said, I have to do a better job of, of moving my feet and trusting my set angles. You know, he, he knows what he needs to work on. He said games like that, he, you really learn a lot. You know, he's mentally pretty good. He also has a guy sitting right next to him, Andrew Thomas, who, you know, went through all of this two years ago. And he said he's a big help. Anytime I need him, he's like a big brother. He really helps. So um, I'm not really worried about Evan Neal. I'm really not. And he played okay against the commander. So he has that in the back of his head. You know, this is not the Eagles in back-to-back weeks where he got smoked. He's got the commanders, and he he did better against them. Um, he's okay. I think he's going to be okay. Commanders receivers versus our Giants defensive backs. I had a chance to talk to Darnay Holmes in the locker room. At practice, Paul, during individuals, you saw the corners working on the releases of commander's receivers running shallow crosses, pick routes, shallow crosses. I keep saying it, it started with the Detroit Lions, and now it's a copycat league, and people are going to run it until you stop them. So you got a chance to see that. And I was talking to Darnay Holmes 
in the in the locker room, and I'm kind of telling you, like, hey, like with with uh, Xavier out, with uh, Adoree Jackson out, like, what 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 does this mean? What do you guys got to do better? And he was talking about how with Julian Love being forced to be back there and being the communicator. Julian Love has been thrown into a position where he's trying to communicate with the DBs. He's like, he is not used to having that little bit of time to communicate. So Darnay was saying how he's putting it on himself to communicate with the corners. So now, whether they got a banjo or something, in and out something, receiver comes in, he takes him, he goes in, the corner goes out. The communication for these shallow crosses. So this is what I want to see. But you're going against a Jahan Dotson, first-round draft pick who's coming around, scary Terry McLaurin, and Curtis Samuel, who is kind of that Swiss Army knife for, that, uh, for those commander's receivers. This week, I want to see the Giants' secondary play these Washington commander receivers a lot better than what they did the first time. Would you agree with that, Tynes? Yeah, you know, and Darnay Holmes did not play in that game, guys. Let's not forget that. Zion Zion Gilbert played. He was a little bit overmatched. He competed, but I I don't think you can underestimate the value of Darnay Holmes and what he brings to this team. He is a dog. He is a dog. In the middle. And playing that slot corner is one of the most difficult jobs in football. Yep. Two-way goes, crossers, traffic. There's so many problems in there, and he is built for that position. I think the Giants uh, coaching staff loves this kid. He brings an energy and a juice to this defense. So I think him coming back is a big, big deal. Obviously, he played last week. He missed this first game. So I, I don't think we can underestimate Darnay Holmes coming back. And listen, we got to stop giving all the excuses to these DBs right now. They have played a lot of snaps, okay? And I get Adoree mm-hmm. Jackson would help, Xavier McKinney would help, but Fabian Moreau and McLeod and all these other guys, they're pro football players. They played a lot of meaningful football. They just saw this team. I expect them to play well. They should. You know, they've played a lot of football. Uh, they're not the starters. They're not the day one starters. They weren't drafted here, a lot of them. But after a little while, guys, there's expectations, and I – the coaching staff should expect them to all go play well. Lawrence, you, when you're talking that, and I'm thinking about, you know, nobody cares, no excuses. These guys are getting all the reps in practice also, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like, that, you know, they know they've been the starters. They're getting the reps. You mentioned, you know, Deion Sanders calling, you know, giving you a nickname. They're not Deion Sanders. I get it. But you're right. It's Look, it, and now it's got to work together. They can't, they can't cover for six seconds back there. It's all got to work together. They're not a perfect defense. They're a flawed defense, but they have some first-round draft picks up front. Um, you know, the guys on the back end are not. But you're right. At this point, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to keep the ball in front of you. You can't let what happened against the commanders the first time where you're missing tackles and guys are zigzagging and crossing their way into the end zone. That can't happen. Make them snap at another down. Make them get down the field. You know, keep McLaurin in front of you as best as you can. It's easier said than done. But, you, you know, Lawrence, you, you hit a nerve there when you said that. You're right. These guys have been getting practice reps every week now. It's not like, they. oh, my God, somebody got hurt with thrown in. That's not the case. They know they're the starters. Odori's not coming back. Right now, Xavier McKinney's not coming back right now. Aaron Robinson's not coming back right now. You're right. So they don't have to look over their shoulder. They just have to play, not play great, but play solid. Play solid. Play smart. Don't do anything stupid. Look, this game was 20-20 the first time. It's not like they blew them out. It's not the Eagles here. There's not that much difference between these teams. You make a couple more little plays here, you win the game. We know what's on the line. You already know the mentality that, that comes with that. Washington's a, a great team. Um, our division is great this year, so we know what this game means, and we're, we're doing our best to prepare for that. It's time for you guys' favorite segment of the show. It's time for our final thoughts and this week's Extra Point. Tynes, 
Get it started. Here comes the snap and the hold. Yeah, the snap, the hold, the kick is up. And Carrie Underwood's going to be singing her anthem on Sunday. The Giants are, you know, the producers for Sunday Night Football may have to dig really deep to find graphics of the Giants and the Commanders because neither one of these teams have played on Sunday Night Football. They're probably getting B-roll right now at both practices uh, to show Giants players because but anyway, what an exciting time for both teams, the NFC East, and mainly the Giants. That's what this is. It's a Giants show. Giants go in there, and I think, guys, listen, 26-17. I think they win by 9, 10 points this game, guys. I just think it's their their game. They should have won this game last time. They know that. I don't think the bye week helps Washington either way. you know. And, and the professional pride, don't forget, they got their butts kicked last week. They got their butts kicked. That refocuses you as a player. They're coming down on the train on Sunday, baby. The most shocking thing I think I've heard on, on the Blue Rush podcast is that Lawrence Tynes knows what B-roll is. That's very <laughs> impressive to me. Lawrence Tynes knows B-roll. That's pretty good. He's That's very media good. savvy. He's very yeah, yeah. Savvy. If, if he was media savvy back then with Prime Tynes, he would be uh he'd be um, you know a multi-millionaire by now. It's killing me. You didn't make any money on Prime Tynes. Killing me. Killing me. It's awful. Uh, wish we had this relationship back then. I we would have monetized it. I can get a shirts made, Paul. If you're yeah, if you need one I think that Christmas. ship has sailed. I think that ship has sailed. But I don't think the Giants okay. ship has sailed though. I look. I I was bullish on him as I said two weeks ago. I'm going to stick with my prediction from two weeks ago. Twenty four twenty. I think they can. You know, I've seen them win in FedEx Field. I think Daniel Jones is going to play well. And I think there's still some juice in this orange. I really do. That this 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 is not dried up yet for the Giants. I think we'll see some of it Sunday night. All right, I'm going 24-20, but it's not even a game I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting to see Jason Garrett on Football Night in America talking about this game. This is, I mean, I just want to hear his thoughts, not only the new uh, Giants offense, Daniel Jones, just everything that's going on. That's a wrap on the show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank everyone for watching and listening to this episode of the Blue Rush Podcast, our New York Giants show. Please Subscribe to Blue Rush on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow New York Post Sports and SNY's YouTube channels for all videos from Blue Rush. New episodes of the show drop Monday morning following Giants games and Thursdays previewing the week ahead. For Paul Schwartz and Lawrence Tynes, I'm Brandon London. We're going to catch you guys on another episode of Blue Rush.